Meet Lori. She's 42 and works in the media, so she really needs to look and feel her part. She has an autoimmune disease, and she and I have been working together for about six months on narrowing down and eradicating all of her immune triggers. She's felt a ton better in these last months, but another concern she had was that she was getting a bit older and she was noticing wrinkles. I had her on all the best protocols for her body from the inside, but she was also very curious about other anti-aging tools that she can use from the outside. Being that she had an autoimmune disease, we had to really look at the pros and cons of each to see what could be possible and effective for her, though that it would also not cause any potential harm. Because when dealing with autoimmunity, we always have to be more careful, and we certainly didn't want to create another health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Lori, her quest for younger looking skin, and all of her questions that she had about what's available, what is actually effective, and what's also truly safe. So join me on the show today to talk much more about this with me is Dr. Rahila Sabizia. Dr. Rahi has developed a true calling for integrative medicine and aesthetics. Her passion lies in ensuring that you get the best healthcare starting from the inside out. She has an anti-aging clinic in Beverly Hills and has been able to merge anti-aging with aesthetics to help her patients lead their best lives. She believes that aesthetic medicine is just like any other biohacking treatment, which allows us to age more gracefully by using technology and science. Dr. Rahi, I am so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Let's face it. Who doesn't want younger looking skin, right? I mean, this is a thing. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is though, that with everything that's available, it's hard to know what really works, what's a fad, but also what is really safe. And my listeners are typically dealing with different kinds of health issues, many of um, which are autoimmune issues. And so even more so, they want to make sure that the procedures and processes that they use are going to be not only beneficial for their skin, but also very gentle and safe on their whole body. So when you start to work with someone on anti-aging, What are some of the first things that you would address? The first things usually when somebody comes to see me, um, I always like to address what's going on 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 the inside as well as what's going on on the outside. So I like to take a pretty comprehensive history when a patient comes to me, whether it's for microneedling or even if it's like Botox or lip injections, I'll try to understand everything that's going on because I truly believe that if you are healthy and take care of yourself on the inside, it'll manifest itself on the outside too. And ultimately your aesthetic results are going to be better. Yeah. And so after taking their health history, I'm assuming that you're looking a lot into what they're eating and what they're putting into their body. So what are some of the things that you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, food, I mean, uh, it's probably one of the most important things in terms of keeping yourself healthy. Um, If your food isn't great, then um, you're just not going to be able to 
not only will your aesthetic results not be great, but just overall. Um, so I always recommend a plant-based diet. That is sort of the diet that I think provides the best outcomes. And I work with patients to try to achieve that because it's not just plant-based diet. That's it. I, it's a lot about um, education, learning what to eat on a daily basis, learning how to eat it, also understanding how to read labeling and you know uh, how to eat whole foods. So these are the approaches I take. Basically, when anyone comes to me and uh, they want to get a procedure done, I'll always offer them the option of also going down this path, you know, the assessing their health, their history, just so that we can have the best outcomes. And when you recommend a plant-based diet, are you also then recommending any type of protein supplementation um, or how do you usually work that? I, I think that you are able to, if you're able to really get an understanding of the different foods out there, and that's an, a really important part of um, changing your diet and trying to live healthier is also understanding the different foods out there. You'll see that you can get protein uh, in your diet without eating animal products. Um, I don't necessarily tell everyone to go off animal products. Um, I do suggest that people or my patients or anyone in general eat more plants than other, you know, food items because that's the healthiest diet, you know, eating the plant-based diet. But I think that if you can sort of figure out a good way to like balance your diet, you can get protein from other foods out there. And I really like to emphasize that all the time as well. Yeah. I know if someone is an athlete, obviously, or if, you know, they're doing certain things that do require more, of course, I'm sure you're tailoring it to them, but that's good to know that you feel like it's enough and, um, you know, you're seeing the benefit in their skin because obviously collagen is such an important thing for our skin. Yes. And oftentimes that is something that we get from animal protein. So are you ever recommending collagen supplements at all? I do recommend collagen supplements. Again, it, plant-based doesn't necessarily mean that you're like getting rid of all animal products. So some col most collagens out there uh, supplement-wise are made out of um, bovine collagen. There are some vegan collagens out there. I don't know any at the top of my head. Um, but so that's an option. And then I also believe that if everything else is balanced, you're going to degrade because as we age, we degrade collagen. It, it just um, declines as we age, the amount that's in our bodies. And so uh, I believe that the healthier you are, the longer you're going to preserve. And um, I also do some procedures that are um, on the exterior that also stimulate collagen within your body. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm excited to get into all of that. <laughs> so so food-wise, you know, you want people to eat more plants, which obviously makes a lot of sense. And then are there any supplements that you typically recommend that they start with? Um, is it something that you test and customize or are there certain general ones that you feel like are just like the biggies for skin that everyone should be on? Yeah, um, I think there's a few that that are just, I think everyone should be on. Um, and obviously when, you know, I recommend these, I think it's important that um, anyone who's listening does their research and ensures that they're taking high quality supplements. And um, I would even suggest talking to an integrative practitioner to ensure that you're dosing it safely and you're taking good quality products. 
Um, but I think magnesium is my, one of my top. It's so good. Um, it's not only important for, uh, like improving the quality of skin, but also just overall well-being. Every cell utilizes magnesium and we're all deficient in magnesium. Uh, so just supplementing with magnesium citrate or glycinate is good. Um, and again, dosing and um, branding, I would suggest that you talk to your doctor about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for everyone listening, you know, magnesium, you know, I completely agree with you, Dr. Ahi, that magnesium is something that we're deficient in, partly because it's used at such a higher amount when we're under stress and who isn't under stress these days. Yeah. And, you know, I find that glycinate is definitely one that absorbs really well, but also tends to be um, really easy on the bowels because some of the other ones yes. are going to, you know, and if you have constipation, that's great. You know, and a citrate could work, but if your bowels are normal, you know, the glycinate is definitely going to be a really good option. And, you know, there's tons of wonderful brands, you know, any of the chelated magnesiums are wonderful. Yes. Yes. I love magnesium. The next, I would probably suggest turmeric. I love turmeric. Um, so what that does, it helps decrease inflammation in the body and, a lot of times, a lot of skin disorders uh, will m- be as a result of inflammation. So helping to calm the inflammation in the body is super important for just, you know, I, again, it's all overall health. It's not just skin, it's overall health. And I always like to tell people that your skin is your biggest organ. So anything that's going on in the inside is definitely going to just manifest on the outside. Absolutely. Can't agree more. I would also suggest uh, a good fish oil. There are lots of different types out there. I actually take a vegan fish oil, which I just started, and I really like it. What brand do you use? Uh, what is the brand? I actually don't remember. I just got it, um, and I was, I've was i been looking around for a really long time. I'm sorry. I don't have the name of the brand with me. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit hard to find. There's not that many vegan brands out there, but it's something that people ask me a lot. I mean, I like the fish oil source and the triglyceride form because I think that that's really potent and really pure. Yeah. But obviously... Someone is a vegan or vegetarian, you know, especially if there's very strict, you know, ethical type of things that, you know, we want to make sure that we are taking something that's going to abide by all of that. So um, actually I found it, it's called Deva Vegan Omega-3. I just started, so I've been doing a lot of um, testing out different supplements, but I'm always ensuring that they're really, really high quality. So it's a lot of research and then I'll be, and then I'll um, pick the supplements that I'm like interested in um, taking and offering to my patients and then I'll try them out. There's also a really good uh, prenatal DHA, which I take even though I'm not pregnant, Um, but I think it's good to take anyways because it's an omega-3 from Nordic Naturals. Yeah. And then the prenatal DHA um, really it's just DHA um, that you'll be getting. Yeah, exactly. Nordic Natural is a good brand. Nordic Natural is about 60% triglycerides, so they're pretty good. Um, you know, there's brands like Designs for Health will do a 90% triglyceride, and that's what Vibram Beginning uses as well. So those are going to be, you know, they're both very good brands, you know, but you could go as much as, the highest I've seen was 90. Um, but that's great. I love DHA. And it's nice if someone can take a fish oil one and do a vegan together. I think that's the best combination um, just because I think there are certain things that someone can get from fish that, you know, may not be able to get from 
um, the plant-based, but, you know, and I think that's controversial. There's, you know, different opinions on that, but I guess just depending on how strict someone is on plant-based and, you know, if it's more of an ethical or religious reason or something else, but if it's more for health reasons and, you know, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think if you're doing plant-based for health reasons, you know, taking a supplement that may come from a fish may not, you know, as long as it's clean and purified of mercury and PCBs and toxins, it shouldn't affect you too negatively. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that, actually. Um, and I like the reason why I'm vegan, quote unquote, and believe me, like sometimes I'll slip and I'm not 100%. It, there's a lot of there's social reasons and there's ethical reasons. It's not all about health. Um, but I feel like that I'm in a place where I'm able to make that choice and sort of pick the foods that I want to eat and get the right nutrition. Um, and so if, if you feel like you're in that place, um, and if you've been guided by a nutritionist or a doctor, then I think it would be safe to do so. But you have to be very careful. I also like, I mean, there's so many supplements I take. And I i, I really believe that they're all contributing to uh, the health and wellness of me and my skin. And your skin is beautiful, by the way. And I'll post your website oh, you. for everyone to you know see for some of the resources on there. But as a big picture of you on there and you just have beautiful, clear, glowing skin. So whatever you're doing is working, obviously. It's a lot. It's a lot of different things. And I and I truly believe it's all a balance and like creating a balance in your body is is the right way to do it. But um, if we're going to pick like top, I guess vitamin C is super important in collagen production. So I take vitamins and it's just important in keeping your immune system balanced. How much vitamin C do you take and do you recommend? I take 2000 milligrams a day in terms of a supplement, but then I'll also incorporate incorporate um, maybe like an orange or some sort of citrus fruit, a lemon um, into my diet. And um, occasionally I'll do, um, mesotherapy, which is, it's kind of like microneedling with where I inject vitamin C directly into the skin. And occasionally I'll do like high dose IV vitamin C. It depends. Right. Right. Okay. So it sounds like you're getting maybe like 2,500 a day. And then some weeks, if you're doing some of these therapies, you're getting more. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. And the other stuff is so we have turmeric, we have vitamin C, we have DHA. Magnesium. And um, I think maybe uh, the vitamin D3. Vitamin D3, um, it's nearly impossible to find it in vegan form. Um, but that's okay because it's uh, the sh- usually it's made with l- lanolin <laughs> and um, that's out of sheep's wool. And I don't necessarily know if I'm completely opposed to that. Um, in terms of like an ethical perspective, but we're all, we're mostly deficient with in vitamin D and this is a, a vitamin and a hormone that's really important that we don't overdose on. So um, I always recommend getting your levels checked. There are places where like, for example, in Canada, I know the doctors don't check the levels and they'll just put everyone on a thousand IUs, which to me is like kind of you know, I think you should get your levels checked so that you're on the appropriate dosing because some people can take up to like 10,000 IUs a day because of how low their levels are. Um, So I think vitamin D is super important. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. And you're so right because, you know, there are some doctors like, oh, everyone's deficient, you should take it. And I'm not in disagreement. I think everyone is deficient to some degree, especially in the Northern Hemisphere during the winter. But that's the thing. People absorb it so differently. If everyone takes a thousand, you know, some people their levels could be 20 and a thousand will get them to 
I don't know, 22. <laughs> Maybe that's not going to carry them yeah, too exactly. much. If someone's levels are 50, the thousand may keep them at 50. If people are you know, eating the right foods, they're taking the right supplements, but they feel like they still want a little extra boost, you know, especially as we get into our 40s and 50s. I mean, there's obviously natural effects of gravity are going to kick in. I mean, no matter how healthy you are, That's true. You know, there's just certain things that are going to happen. So when we talk about treatments, and there's so many different things available, let's first talk about what are some of the treatments that are the least invasive and that you feel are the safest for both our skin, but also our overall body and health. Yeah. So I really love uh, microneedling. I've been offering microneedling now for three or four years. And after I started doing it on my clients and then on myself, you will notice the biggest transformation in your skin. And what microneedling is, it's basically... um, there's a pen and you attach a brand new needle head. Everybody gets a new needle head and the needles go in and out of your skin rapidly, creating these micro micro punctures, which results in blood coming up to the surface. Um, and, and so what that does is it stimulates your immune system to regenerate collagen production. Although when you leave, it can you can look pretty bloody and scary. <laughs> it's actually pretty minimally invasive very safe and you get amazing results. Yeah. So, and I've had it done and I know there's different settings and sometimes it hurts a little bit more than other times, but for people who are listening, who might be maybe scared of needles and thinking, what, you want to put needles in my face? Um, Does it hurt? What's your experience? So it it depends, right? It depends on um, the numbing that you use. Um, A lot of times it depends on like the time of the month. Sometimes you're more sensitive, like right before you're going to get your period. It depends on your pain tolerance. Everyone has a different pain tolerance. I find that like when people come in and they're tired or they're stressed, that's, it's just going to hurt more. Um, but generally speaking, if you use really good numbing cream, um, and you numb for enough, like I usually numb, like depending on the person, 20 to 20 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. Then yeah. And then if you're really prepared and ready, then you should not be in excruciating pain. It might, there might be a point here and there where it might be a tad bit uncomfortable, but honestly, not really. And I have a really low pain tolerance and I get it done all the time. Mm, that's really great to know. Now, I know there's different settings on those pens, you know, and they say that if someone has maybe like those deep, like, Uh, old acne scars, you know, you'd want to go to a higher setting. And then, you know, if it's just, there's not as much going on a lower setting, but what do you typically start on? I think there's like a 0.5 and and then like 0.75 and a one. Yeah. So there's, uh, well, well, first there's uh, different needles on the market. There's different companies that make the pens and the needles. So um, it depends on, you know, the brand that you're using. Um, But generally speaking, I will start, you know, and they go by like millimeter depths. At least the machine that I use goes by millimeter depths. And um, I'll start anywhere from like one to 1.5 on the cheeks. And, you know, on the bony areas, like the forehead, nose, um, even upper lip. Oh, um, yeah. Pretty sensitive area. I'll go down. I'll go down. It depends on the person. Um, sometimes I go down to 0.4 millimeters. Sometimes... I'll, I'll stay at one. Again, it depends on the person. But yeah, there's different depths. There's different speeds, how fast the needle goes in and out of your face. Gotcha. And I'm assuming um, with that also, then you're customizing based on what the patient needs. Yeah, I customize like on the spot. 
you know, if someone's like, oh, this, I can go more and I'll ask and I'll ask them, I'll say, can, can you tolerate more? If you can tolerate more, we'll go deeper. If, you know, they can't really tolerate more, then we'll just stay where we're at or even go down. And how long does a typical treatment take? I always recommend face and neck because, you know, you look at someone's face, you see the neck as well. So if you're not taking, if you're just doing it on the face and then your neck ages, it kind of doesn't look that great. You, you want to, you want them to age together. Um, so face and neck, I would say the numbing takes the longest, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending, you know, and, um, the procedure itself takes 15 to 20 minutes max. Okay. And then how often would someone need to do this to see an effect and to continue seeing the positive effects? I always recommend if it's your first time microneedling, I would, and your skin's like decent, but you're not treating something really aggressive. I would recommend once a month at the minimum three times, three sessions to see something where one day you'll wake up and you'll look at your skin. You'll be like, wow, this looks really nice. If you do one session, you'll see something, but it's just not going to be enough. Uh, you can continue doing it. It's not, it, there's really no, long-term consequences. The only thing is just, I would say just the healing period, one to two weeks following the procedure is the most difficult. Um, but even then, once you sort of like get into the routine of doing this procedure, you, you ha- your skin becomes healthier, so you heal quicker. And then you also have an understanding of how to take care of your skin during the healing period. And is this something that is ever covered by insurance? And if not, how much would a treatment typically run just so people have an idea? Yeah, not that I know that. It, I don't think insurance covers this procedure. It would be great if they did. Yes, agreed. <laughs> It depends. There's always, there's like add-ons to microneedling. Like um, I have a base is 200 for the face and neck. If you just do it with basic hyaluronic acid, um, cause you need, uh, we always add something to glide the needle. So the hyaluronic acid is a great glider. And then um, it also just like, cause you're creating these micro pores. So um, your skin's completely open, ready to absorb anything that comes on top. We add on um, vitamin C, B complex vitamins. Um, there's so many different options. So the price can go up with that. But I always recommend at least trying some of the vitamins like glutathione. I love adding glutathione on top. Mm, uh, interesting. I mean, never thought of glutathione on the skin, but I mean, it's so important for skin. How nice to be able to get it right where it needs to go. Right. It's amazing. It just it has that sulfur smell. So it smells like egg. It's very strong. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, it's, yes. it's worth it. If you can tolerate that smell, then you can tell, like, you'll have great skin. And then I also uh, do microneedling with PRP, and then the price goes up on that. It's about like 560 to do it with PRP. And I love doing it with PRP. Um, PRP, basically, what that is, it's taking your blood, spinning it, and taking um, taking the platelets that come to the top. And so platelets, what they do is they regenerate and they will help with the regeneration of collagen, especially if you're sort of localizing it in one place. Uh, so what we're, what we do is we create these micro pores with microneedling and then put the PRP on top. And if there's a little bit left, what I do is I inject it as filler in the areas of concern, like under eyes, smile lines, and that'll really help stimulate collagen locally and also diffusely. That's so interesting. And if someone wanted to do PRP, let's just say maybe they've already had microneedling before, that's not something they're doing. Can they do PRP on its own? Yes. 
that would be just in the form of like localized injection. So you could just uh, draw the blood, spin it, and then, you know, you'll come in and say, I want my under eyes, but I don't want filler. So uh, can you inject PRP? And we'll do like, it'll be multiple sessions of PRP. Like I'd say at least three. And honestly, you could do PRP once a month forever. You know, it's it's not going to harm you. Um, basically what you're doing is you're taking what you have and you're, you're taking the power of your own platelets. So you're not taking anything from outside and you're putting it back into the area specifically that you want regenerated. Uh, so smile lines are a really good um, place and under eyes are really good. The temples as well. Mm, gotcha. And so with PRP, then if you're injecting it in a specific area, what you're saying is you're not necessarily seeing the plumping right away like you would with a filler or say, right. but it's more that if you do it three or more times, you will then actually start to see that area fill up over time. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and then what are some other therapies that you use that are overall less invasive and you know considered sort of the safer ones? I like to say I offer a lot of like minimally invasive, um, moderately invasive procedures, but uh, I'd say my two top favorites right now are threads, PDO threads. And also um, any, I have um, two machines that are radio frequency machines with different heads that can do different um, procedures on the face and body that also stimulate collagen as well. So all of everything, I think a lot of my practice is centered around like stimulating collagen. Right. Well, it sounds like that's such a major, major player in skin. Okay. So let's talk about threads first. What is that and what can you do for us? So uh, PDO threads, they use the same material that um, the same suture material that surgeons will use in the operating room. But what what the threads, uh, how they've been, how they're used now, they've been shaped and molded into different types of threads. So there's twist threads, smooth threads, and barb threads. Those are the big ones. And what threads can do, you basically insert them into the skin. They can lift, tighten, and also stimulate collagen. Hmm. Okay. So it's then you're seeing instant results because they're pulling something up, right, or down. Yes. And you have the longer-term results of the collagen. So if someone maybe has you know, forehead wrinkles and they don't want to do Botox, can they be inserted somewhere like – in up like on top of the forehead to pull that up or how would that work? Yes. Yes. You can do brow lifts with barbed threads. Um, so that will like really lift it, lift up, tighten and stimulate collagen. And then there are the different, uh, the smooths and the twist threads. Those are really good for just localized collagen production. Okay. And then how, do you do it so that they're not noticeable? And, you know, because if you're putting something under the skin, are you going to see some type of a bump or something there? Uh, or does it go in the hairline where it's not as visible? So it goes un- under the skin into the dermal layer. Um, and there's like a way of doing it. We cut it and then it retracts back into the skin. There are some people that aren't great candidates for it. Usually people above the ages like 65 to 70 or like people with really, really thin skin, I would probably not do it. But generally speaking, once it goes into the skin and we cut it and then it retracts into your face, you don't see it. Mm, Okay. So it kind of holds things in place and pulls it and tightens, but you can't see it. Yeah. And is it something that will sort of go away over time? Um, like would it dissolve or no, it stays in there? So your body will absorb the 
the material that the threads are made out of uh, in a period of um, like two to four months. Okay. Um, the results can last anywhere, I'd say about a year. Um, again, it depends on, you know, there's so many factors that are involved in that. Your your own personal lifestyle, um, how many threads you got. So all these factors are taken into consideration when you suggest how long it will last. And then is this something that can ever have any immune sensitivity being that it is something you're putting in and then your body's going to absorb that? Have you ever seen anyone react negatively to the material? So it's definitely a consideration because anything that's going to enter your body that's foreign, you know, can be considered for some sort of immune reaction. But I have never seen any sort of reaction specifically to PDO threads. That's good to know. And I've even, and I've, but I've had people that were concerned and we've tested it. We'll, I'll put like one small thread on one part of their body and generally speak, I've never seen it react before. That's great. And then what about the radio frequency procedures? I'm not really familiar with that. I'd love to know more about that. So radio frequency, uh, what it does, it, it's, it's, Radio frequency is emitted through either some sort of probe onto the skin, whether it's like into the dermal layer, so that's more invasive, or whether it's like superficial. And what that does, it heats up the dermal layer really to high temperatures, which stimulate, which basically trigger your immune system to wake up and your immune system goes to that specific area and like regenerates collagen in that specific area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of similar in the way that um, the microneedling would work where you're almost creating an injury, except there you're creating punctures and here you're creating heat, like a burn almost, but it's the same kind of idea. Exactly. Okay. And then how long does that procedure take? Well, it depends on which specific procedure we're talking about. I have one that's completely non-invasive. It um, feels like a hot stone massage. I put ultrasound jelly on the area that we're treating. And then you basically rub this wand back and forth, no needles involved, no bleeding, uh, no pain. Like it, most, some people fall asleep when they get it. Um, and that's about a 30 to 40 minute procedure. It's very relaxing. There's another procedure it's called Morpheus eight and that you combined microneedling with radio frequency in one it's one of my favorite things to get done and to do. Um, basically, what you're doing is you're creating these holes with the microneedles all the way down to the dermal layer. And once you, the needles get there down to the dermal layer, they emit the radio frequency in the dermal layer. That procedure itself, we numb you. So it's about like the whole entire thing from numbing to leaving the office, I'd say about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. Okay. But yeah, it sounds like you're getting the best of both worlds then because you're getting both benefits. Yeah. That's great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's transformational. Yeah. And is that something that people could see results with after the first session or do you think they still need about three sessions to see a difference? You'll definitely see a result after the first session. Um, I think when I noticed the biggest change in my face, my skin and the tightness of the skin was after my second session. But definitely... It's something that I will do for myself at least once every three months. And is the recovery any longer because you're doing both? So it actually, the radio frequency really helps the healing. 
So you think because it's, it is actually more invasive than microneedling. You think that just logically the healing time would be longer, but it's actually quite shorter. It's like, I'd say half the time. Oh, wow. Um, because yeah, the radio frequency really heals it really quickly. That's amazing. And again, I mean, there's no, you're not inserting anything into the body. There's nothing foreign. So from like an autoimmune perspective or any other health perspective, you know, you're just stimulating that collagen. You're not really getting your body to attack something. So exactly. Now, what about some of the things that are a little bit more invasive, uh, like fillers, for example? I mean, those are really popular and for good reason, because, you know, you obviously see results instantly. And, you know, depending on the filler you use, I mean, it could last for even a couple of years for some people. But obviously the issue there is you are putting something foreign into the body. So there is going to work. Not, not definitely, of course, but there's a potential that there's going to be immune reactivity or it could be some other issues. So tell us a little bit more about what fillers are out there. And, you know, I know that there's certain ones that might be safer and tell us why. So right now on the market, the fillers that I use, there are a little bit more out there, but um, in the United States, it's very limited. Um, there's a ton more fillers in Europe. Uh, I was just at a conference in February in Paris and there are so many fillers out there, but specifically in the United States, the two main companies that offer fillers, it's the Restylane group, and then there's the um, Juvederm group. There are some smaller companies that offer different types of fillers, and there's one filler that's made out of, um, I believe it's uh, bovine collagen. I don't use that filler. And then there's Radius. That's not, it's an irreversible filler. So I don't use that either. I only use um, in my practice the, the Restylane's and the Juvederm's because the companies are, I know them, they are the biggest companies in the United States. Uh, so there's a lot of research that has gone into the fillers that, um, that I offer. And they're all dissolvable, meaning that if we in, inject the filler in you and for whatever reason you don't like the results, we can always dissolve it. I think that's really important. Out of all the services I offer, I think the fillers are the ones that can cause the most immune issues if you are at risk for you know, any sort of um, immune reaction. So that's why you have to be careful when you pick the right filler. Yeah. And why... Is that? Yeah. Why fillers? Because I think when most people think of fillers, they think like, oh, it's just like collagen or, you know, it's just fat um, that you're inserting. But what's in them that can potentially cause this autoimmune reaction? There's two things in fillers. There's the BDDE. I think that's what it's called. It's a crosslinker. And then there's the actual hyaluronic acid. And it just depends. So what happens is in easiest terms to understand the fillers that are made to last the longest in your body will have more linking. And so what happens is your body views that as a foreign object. And so um, because of that, some fillers can cause some immune reactions. You just have to be careful. You have to go to the somebody who understands that and also understands the different types of fillers and will make the right decision for you specifically. And if someone has an autoimmune disease and say that they wanted to try a filler, are there certain types or brands that you recommend that you will have less of these cross-linkers or some of these other yeah. more inflammatory things? So there's some fillers that have a lot of cross-linking. A lot of these are like some of the more advanced fillers that are newer. Um, you want to avoid those. What would those be? 
Juvederm, Vobella, Velour, and Voluma. You have to be really careful with those if you have an autoimmune disease. If you don't and you're a good candidate for it, these are these fillers look amazing. Your results come out looking so great, but you just really have to be careful. I wouldn't, if you had any sort of autoimmune history ever, I would avoid them. Okay. And so what are the ones that would be considered safer for autoimmunity? What brands? There's the Juvederm Ultra, Ultra XD. Um, those are really great um, and they give good results too. And um, the Restylane's as well. Okay. So any of the Restylane brand ones are fine. I would say so. Yes. Okay. Well, that's great to know because I think a lot of people don't even realize that there are all these different brands. You know, I mean, you go to your dermatologist or maybe your plastic surgeon, most of them really don't have much integrative experience or even an understanding of autoimmunity. And, you know, they're basing it more on, okay, you know, your um, crease might be this deep, so we need this. And they're looking at it from a results perspective, but not so much from a health perspective. So I think that's just so helpful and so important for people to know. I agree. So then what about Botox? (laughs) So this is something, you know, I think from an integrative space, um, you know, most people would say, okay, some things might be okay, but Botox is a toxin. So if we're trying to do stuff to remove toxins and detoxify and be healthier, you know, this is probably not something that we want to do, um, you know, when we're dealing with health issues. What is your opinion on that? And is there any way, you know, if someone really wanted to get it, is there any way to make it safer or are there any other considerations that people should know about? So I personally haven't seen any sort of autoimmune reaction to Botox or Dysport or any of the neurotoxins on the market. Um, but there are a few things to consider um, that I've heard about. Some people have said that if they, they've been getting Botox for a long period of time, they feel that their body has developed some sort of resistance to it. That can happen very rarely. Um, and I would definitely, um, if you feel that you've been getting injected for like six, 10 years with the same product, and now you just don't see any, like you don't see any of the um, benefits of it. You, your wrinkles are still moving. Um, you know, your muscles still feel like they haven't frozen, quote unquote. Um, that's when you can consider th- that maybe your body has developed some sort of resistance to it. It's very rare, but it can happen. And then I would suggest switching over. Maybe if you've been using Dysport, maybe try Botox and vice versa. And just to ensure that it is a toxin and that's why it has to be placed properly and the right amount. So that's also something to consider. Um, You just want to make sure that whoever you go to is experienced with um, injecting and knows how much to inject you with so that you're not overdone or not placed in the wrong location where it doesn't look good. Um, But those are the two considerations I would give when considering that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, that you haven't seen too many negative reactions just because based on what we would think, right? It being a toxin versus something, you know, because I'd always thought, you know, okay, Botox is a toxin. I mean, obviously that's not something that's good versus a filler being hyaluronic acid, which seems like, well, that's a natural substance, right? But it's so interesting then to know about some of these other additives and cross-linkers that you mentioned that that could be even worse potentially than the other. I, I totally agree. Like it's, it, a quote unquote toxin, but at the same time, some toxins aren't necessarily bad for us. Just like some bacteria actually 
most bacteria is good for us, you know, especially like gut bacteria. So when we always, when we hear bacteria, we always think negative. We're like, oh my God, this is going to like cause us harm. But now we're learning that there's probably more good bacteria that we need to survive off of than bad bacteria that can cause like problems in our bodies. So I think when you're thinking of Botox or a Dysport as a toxin, maybe just like knowing more about the product itself, not just blindly accepting it, but also like understand that I think that we're working with it. It's not necessarily something that's going to cause us harm if it's used appropriately in the with the right dosing. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference between Botox and Dysport for those people that may not be familiar? They're made from two different two different companies make uh, the two different drugs. Dysport is a little bit of a smaller molecule. I always tell and suggest people to try both to see which one works better. Some people will find that they like Dysport more. Some people will find that they like Botox more. It, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, it's the exact same botulinum toxin. Gotcha. And, you know, if people are trying to deal with forehead wrinkles and they don't want to get Botox or Dysport, I know that you mentioned, obviously, the microneedling, you mentioned the radiofrequency procedure, um, and then I'm assuming the threads could be good for that. Or is there anything else that could be good for forehead wrinkles? Threading, radiofrequency, microneedling, Botox. Mm-hmm. Those are the those are the top things I recommend when um okay. and then also uh ensuring that you're healthy on the inside. That those are the things the things that I offer is what I usually think are like the best options out there. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of this information. It's so good to know about, you know, what's out there, what's non-invasive, you know, what's maybe a little more invasive, but also from the things that are more invasive, what is a little safer and how we can still maybe utilize these things and get benefit from them without necessarily harming our bodies. So this has been so insightful. Thank you so much, Dr. Rahi, for all this information. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Dr. Rahi's actually, she's from LA, but I know you've been in New York City helping with the COVID pandemic, working, you know, first line in the hospital. So thank you for all of that work that you do and taking time away from your practice to help all of these people. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Now, Dr. Rocky, for those that want to find you, connect with you, contact you, how can they reach you? Uh, Instagram. Uh, it's doctor, so D-O-C-T-O-R, Rahi, R-A-H-I-M-D. That's a really great way to get in touch. And then my website is www.doctor, spelt out again, Rahi.com. Those are two great ways to uh, get in touch. Wonderful. And I will post all of that in the show notes for you guys. Dr. Rahi, thank you again. And I look forward to staying connected and we'll chat soon. Thank you and stay safe. As you just heard, There are tons of anti-aging treatments, but depending on your body and your immune system, some are more natural than others and therefore can be safer than others, especially for those who have autoimmunity and are more sensitive. Lori and I discussed everything in detail and opted for microneedling with vitamins, as well as doing the PRP injections with her own platelets. The great thing about these treatments is that there are no added toxins or chemicals, but they do actually work. You have to get a few treatments and it takes a few months to see results, but the results do come. And Lori found her skin to look much better and smoother after six months. I've personally tried microneedling as well and loved it. I was getting it done in Hoboken when I lived there and definitely saw a difference. 
I've been so busy recently. It's been a while since I made it up there for a treatment, but after this conversation, it's definitely on my upcoming to-do list. Now, just a reminder, if you wanted to contact or connect with Dr. Rahi, all of her information is going to be in the show notes. You can get it right on the website at healthmysterysolve.com or by scrolling down in any of your podcast apps. If Lori sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss an episode. And if you like the show and can post a review, I would so appreciate it. These reviews really do help to spread the word and bring the podcast up in the ranks. This way it's shown to more people and more people could see that they're not alone. When it comes to your health issues, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you back here on the next episode of Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.